everybody, Val Pancakes here, and joining me tonight on the stack, I have Kevin Gill, and you can hear him most notably on commentary for GCW, but he has a long history in wrestling, and I'm excited to talk about the life and times of Kevin Gill. So, wow. welcome. Well, I, I am Kevin Gill, I feel welcomed, and I am honored to, uh, to be a part of the stack, to climb the stack, to be, uh, you know, uh, kind of enshrined in the stack forever to have my life and times. The only other life and times that have really uh, ever influenced me in my life is the life and times of Captain Luis Albano. So to even have that nomenclature thrown around when I'm around, I say thumbs up to Val and the stack. Thank you, sir. Um, like I said in the intro, I know you do commentary for GCW. I'm sure that's probably how a good majority of people know who you are. You hear every week, multiple times a week, sometimes <laughs> Mania Weekend, just like 12 shows. I don't know yeah. if you're on all of them. <laughs> I once did like 18 hours of, 17 or 18 hours of commentary for GCW in a 24-hour day during Fight Forever. I was going to say, is um, that for Fight Forever? Yeah. Logistically, I wish it would have been, I was available and able to do, I wanted to do commentary for 24 hours straight because I've never heard of anyone doing that, and I bet when would anyone ever get a chance to try again? But I also respected a lot the spotlight on women's wrestling, the spotlight on uh, people of color in wrestling, and I, I did. I felt like it would be, you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to politic or ask or see if there was a way I could be on those shows because I felt there was plenty of voices in those communities who should, you know, call it. But uh, someday I hope to call wrestling for 24 hours straight. You know what I mean? That's still on the, on the bucket list. That's insane too. I, so I tried to stay up for most of fight forever and oh. I got through almost all of it. Um, I did fall asleep a little bit during the Iron Man match somewhere in there. <laughs> which, which part of it, like the uh, first 60 or the second 60? I think it was, I think I woke up a little bit in the first 60 just to see the end, to see it go. And then I, I definitely took at least another 45 minute snoozer. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, there's no sleeping at the Fight Forever location, as I'm sure you heard. It was mentioned on commentary many times. It was literally like below freezing. It was like a, the show was literally held in a freezer, for lack of a better like if you hung up a side of beef or brought in a tray of water and put it there, it would turn into ice within, you know, a short period of time. It was legitimately a freezer because there was no heat. And uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. But so it didn't make you tired in a way. It maybe made you hangry, but not tired. You're just too cold to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And there's nowhere to like, where could you go that wouldn't make you more cold? You know, uh, there's famous pictures of Jimmy Lloyd slumped over in every possible shape and form during that 24 hours, like sitting on an ice cold concrete floor with his head on a wall, you know, all these crazy poses that one, I could never sleep in. And yeah, anyway, but I, I always just think of that, like that he could just sleep like that anywhere. That's the, the joy and wisdom of Jimmy Lloyd. I mean, that's one thing that you can say about Jimmy Lloyd. <laughs> The wit and wisdom, the talent. Oh, Jimmy is a, a multi-layered, a multi-layered individual. There's many, many sides to Jimmy Lloyd. He, he can be summarized beautifully in just two simple words. 
I don't know if that came through in audio, but that's at the appropriate volume. <laughs> so, and I know um, that some would say "sup" is one word, but it wasn't "sup." It's "what's up." Yeah, that's two words. <laughs> Just so, wanted to put it out there. So, like I said, a lot of people I'm sure know you from GCW, but you have been in wrestling for a lot. You've been in wrestling for quite a while in one way or another. So for people who may not know, like what is the the short version, the abridged version of KG's history with wrestling? Uh, My history is grew up, grew up a fan, obviously, like many people. And I grew up in near Queens, New York. So it's like a WWF at that time, hotbed, WWE, all of the above. Uh, But it got me into the other areas and regions. And I was really into other territories like i used to watch uh different wrestling from around the world as a kid and uh just from being a super fan uh i got opportunities through uh music i worked in the i was uh i ran my own record label a diy underground record label called striving for togetherness records uh and through that i had the opportunity to interview some wrestlers for a music magazine in philadelphia and I got to interview like Freddie Blassie and Two Cold Scorpio, Terry Funk. The Terry Funk interview I set up. Some of uh, some of them they set me up. They set me up Two Cold Scorpio. They set me up Freddie Blassie and things like that. Uh, Bill Alfonso was another one. So I did these interviews, which I really enjoyed doing, and it was just so cool, like just to talk to these people in the first place, but to hear their stories, then help document their stories. Uh, my Bill Alfonso interview got picked up in a wrestling magazine, uh, New Wave Wrestling. So I got uh, a, a published wrestling credit in the late 90s, like in, besides in a music magazine, which is great, but to be in a regular uh, magazine. And it was George Napolitano, the famous wrestling photographer who gave me the, uh, he, I don't think he even knows me, but he gave me the opportunity for reading the, the thing. So being a fan, I got to interview some people. Um, and let's see. From there, it was working on the the wrestling video game. Like I worked at Rockstar Games, and I had an idea to do the ECW video game at that time. It was an unsigned license, and uh, we went after it really hard. And we had all these meetings with Paul and everybody. And uh, in the end, we had a signed deal from them, but we had to opt out due to like a lot of factors you know what i'm saying just in terms of like where ecw was going do you know what i mean because uh rockstar at that point rockstar now is the monolithic god of video games but at that time they couldn't have a shot miss do you know what i mean like they couldn't spend a ton of money on something and have it not be the the banger because it was all do or die for them so we ended up at the zero hour uh not doing the ecw game and letting it go to the next highest bidder and uh, a few months later, not because of that, but a few months later, I left Rockstar and I went out to IDOS uh, in San Francisco, which is where I sit today. And uh, I, ha- you know, I had so gassed up about doing a wrestling video game for months uh, from the meetings with Heyman and everything. Uh, when I was leaving Rockstar at my going away party, uh, I kept seeing the commercials for Backyard Wrestling, the, the DVDs and stuff, uh, kept playing on the TV in the bar. And, uh, you know, and it's the commercials all um, inflammatory. Do you know what I mean? Like Oprah Winfrey says it's the most dangerous thing you've, you know, like 
Rolling Stone magazine says, what the fuck? Like, it's totally, like, uh, you know, abrasive in, in the best way possible. And it's so violent. Uh, it's shortly after the time that Mick Foley and the Hardy Boys rose to, like, huge prominence, in part propped up by this footage of them in, in the backyard. So I thought, well, why not? Now ECW is kind of going out of business. Why not? Uh, which is, you know what I'm saying? I made the right decision. But uh, why don't we make a backyard wrestling video game? Like license this footage from these people, make the backyard wrestling video game. So I did. I put that deal together and worked a lot on those games, did the soundtracks, wrote the dialogue, licensed the characters, uh, like directed all the videos. And from that, I got to work with and know a lot of the wrestlers. That led to me being a referee. Uh, Insane Clown Posse thought I was so knowledgeable about wrestling and they enjoyed hanging out with me and stuff. So they were like, we're going to make you a referee and we want you to ref. My first rep show, I ref the match for Vampiro, uh, you know, who's like an international Lucha Libre icon and shit. So I started refing for them and I refed a lot for them. Uh, I started refing on the NorCal Indies just so I could keep my experience up and keep learning and keep getting better, not just waiting for like, oh, we're doing this festival or we're doing this or we're doing that. So I kept just getting my skills, uh, you know, sharpened and enhanced by refing for all different people all over, wherever I could get a gig. And uh, from there, uh, I got an opportunity to do commentary on an event for a, a friend of ours, DJ Riz, uh, a great wrestler from NorCal who passed away. And uh, there was a tribute show for him and I got to do commentary on it. And it came out on a DVD and everything that, that I helped put out. And uh, from that DVD, it was me and Lars Fredrickson from Rancid did the commentary on it. And the ICP guys saw it. And when they saw it, they were like, you're the new commentator for our company. So I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I was afraid they wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? For some reason. But they loved it. And uh, I started doing commentary for them. Oh, I left out one thing, though. Uh so when we did the Backyard Wrestling video games, we showed the games at E3, like the big video game industry convention. And there's like tens of thousands of people there, uh, you know, throughout the day and whatever. And we had a ring set up, but we had matches like Super Dragon, M-Dog, Matt Cross, Angel, who used to be in XPW, uh, Bobby Quants, uh, Man Man Pondo. We had a bunch of people that are all uh, active today uh, wrestled. And we did a tournament for the title. And that was a, it was a three-day tournament in L.A. in front of the video game industry crowd. But I was the ring announcer. And as soon as the uh, first match started, I was like, like literally the second it started, and it's an all-casual crowd that's video game industry people. They don't know what's up with wrestling. So they're just kind of like, wrestling, huh? This should be fun, weird, dumb, whatever they're thinking. They're just a blank slate, you know what I mean? And they're just, but they're not, they're not going crazy for it. They're just like, looking at it because they're at a trade show where over there it's what you know everyone's got an exhibit and a giant 800 foot dinosaur or a celebrity signing so um i was like man i said to the girl who was like producing the overall booth for idos um uh yeah which is where we did the matches i was like it, i was like this shit really needs commentary like so these people can know like who to cheer who to boo and why and help get them out of their shell and uh, she's like, oh, my God, like, can you do it? And I'm like, sure. And then I'm just like, oh, look at this guy. It's like Josh Prohibition versus M-Dog Matt Cross. So I immediately start playing up Josh Prohibition's, you know, straight edge. He's better than you, all that shit. 
and but M Dog, Mac Frost, the hardworking gymnast, you know, he'll blow your mind, whatever. And then it just got people more out of their shell and, and people got loose and they cheered and booed and, and yelled and, and got more involved in the show. So I did that. But then I, I didn't really do anything else because I worked in the video game industry. Uh, then when the referee came thing came up, I started doing that. But I, so basically the commentary thing was like a one-off thing. And then I did everything else for several years without doing any commentary again until I did the DVD. And then once I did that DVD, the DJ Riz uh, Memorial Cup, from there, yeah, then I've just been doing commentary, as you said, primarily for Game Changer Wrestling, but also for a, a bunch of other notable companies along the way. And that was definitely not the short answer that you were looking for. But believe it or not, I left out like mad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, you could have answered that however you wanted to. I'm, we're here to learn from, from commentary. Yeah. Genius master, Mr. Wow. Kevin Gill. So, holy, holy fuck. <laughs> but, um, like I said, I know that you have been involved in several aspects of wrestling, and I just wanted to showcase all of that so that when we move on to other questions and sure. people have a perspective because it's not, you didn't just like walk in yesterday or three years ago and buddy up sure. with. You know, Brett. And now you're in on commentary. No, like you have like a yeah. history. <laughs> yeah, like with the ICP thing, me and Shaggy Tudo were a commentary team, and we did I couldn't tell you how many, like dozens and dozens of uh paper lot like pay per view events in the pre streaming boom period created by GCW, quite frankly. But years before that, JCW was doing weekly pay per views. On a, on a smaller scale, but with a lot of great talent. And I got to do so many repetitions and doing Shaggy Tudor is, is brilliant on the microphone and hilarious. And and with that audience, you know, it's like a rambunctious audience and whatever. So do it. I did so many shows with them and then Violent J eventually joined the, then we were like a trio. So that that's crazy to me. Like they didn't say, which would have been a totally reasonable thing to say, okay, KG, it's been fun, but now I want to do commentary again. I'm back. I'm Violent J. Instead, he joins the team of me and Shaggy. Like we're all we were all one thing. So that that to me was really cool. And that led to me. I also just to put it in was uh, doing the commentary led to me then booking. I used to I ended up booking all the Juggalo Championship Wrestling stuff. So when people like the Young Bucks and Kevin Owens and John Morrison and and so many many great great performers would come in, that was me booking them, me putting together who they were working and all that stuff. So I got a lot of experience on, on all sides of it, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you've been involved with behind the scenes stuff. You've, you said you did some ring announcing, you've done commentary, you've been a ref, like you're kind of, you're well-rounded. Sure. And uh, doing the branding stuff, the marketing of stuff, like when you just have a show, like, well, what do you name it? What's on the flyer? What's the vibe? What's the tone? How do you get people to think it's cool? What are the assets required to, you know, saturate the market and get the awareness and get the buzz? And who are the talent to announce? And what's the timing of the graphics? You know, um, those are all key things. And there's, there's so many facets to it. You know what I mean? That's what makes it so interesting because it like I, I used to when I ran the record label in New York, I would do I would put on concerts and stuff too, and do event promotion like that, putting on my own shows. But 
all those roads come back together, like video game marketing, running underground music events, pro wrestling. Do you know what I mean? They all kind of tick. And even a lot of corporate events that I've worked on, like they all tick the same boxes. Like people are coming in, there's a budget, they have to have an experience. There's a lot of production on every level, not just meaning cameras and lights and microphones, but picking people up at airports and the, the just the logistics of everything is, is staggering when you think about it. So um, I feel, I feel fortunate to have had the experiences because then it allows me to be able to share the experiences and they can be reinterpreted and remolded and, and remixed to fit the situation or to fit the day. You know what I mean? Because obviously times and markets and tastes and all that shit changes, but there are constants, I feel like, you know what I mean? I agree. Um, also, the independent music, the independent wrestling pipeline is, is very real. <laughs> yeah. And now I'll be honest, like, I feel like back in the day when I was first doing it, it didn't feel as um, vibrant. I felt like a weirdo. Like the ads for my record label, I would use wrestling imagery. You know what I mean? It would be Randy Savage pile driving the wreck, but it's all like, uh, you know, the image is all fucked. It almost looks like the way it looks when you're watching on the scrambled channel, you know, it's a little bit blown out and whatever. But it's like Randy Savage pile driving a rap or uh, Pitbull number two. I actually had him pose. He posed for a picture with me, but we just changed the beer in his hand to a CD, you know, a new CD we had put out. So that was one of our ads in magazines. It's just Pitbull number two, like unauthorized, holding up a CD and shit. Uh, but now, you know what I mean? It, it's so far, you know, you have Rancid, uh, someone like Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, who's so involved in wrestling and even played on AEW the other night, and you have Andy Williams from Every Time I Die in AEW, you have Brody King, uh, even people like Danhausen, who uh, are uh, M-Dog Matt Cross, uh, um, who's my homie up in Canada? I don't want to forget his name. Uh, Damian Abraham uh, from uh, Fucked Up and all that shit uh, up in Canada. He's in a band, like, the whole rock wrestling crossover has never been more real and vibrant than it is now i feel like there's a lot more people that are loud and proud with it cm punk is another great one i agree i think that that like and even even at the independent level you see a lot of people that i used to be in a punk band and now i wrestle or something which i think is awesome i i never (laughs) asked them but i would bet dan housen has been in some bands i you know i don't know off the top of my head but i would I would venture to guess that's probably a fair assessment. I think that would be a fair <laughs> assessment. But like, but yeah, you're so, right, and it's true. Like, I, I, I pop so big. Like, uh, I'll be calling a show sometimes for GCW, and uh, the camera can't see it, but there'll be someone standing in front of me with like a nuclear assault shirt on, or a DRI shirt, or a sick of it all shirt, or a mad bull shirt, or whatever. And if the camera can't see it, then I'm not going to say anything. You know what I mean? But it still pops me. Like, I love that someone who loves nuclear assault or sick of it all or whoever is here at this show right now representing for that. I love that crossover between worlds and passion of fandom and, and things that get you through the day and get you through life. Cause I think some people overlook sometimes that's what wrestling really is just like music. They're the same thing in that way. They're art, like any art, it's an escape. It's an outlet. It's many things for many people, but and it works on many levels. And that's fascinating to break down on its own. Do you know what I mean? The, what the performers get out of it 
it, it, psychologically, mentally, all that stuff, what the fans get out of it, uh, the money that's made, the, the feelings, the memories, everything. Like it's all one amazing, uh, one amazing concoction. It's, it's very interesting. And I don't know if it's just because in some ways I feel like, like, especially like, you know, like punk and it's genres that it encompasses and wrestling kind of attracts kind of a, a misfit crowd. Sure. And, and I don't know if maybe that's why it seems like there's so many people that have like, you know, a foot in both. Yeah. And they find that whatever. Sense of, they find that sense of community, you know, and same thing. Uh, we were talking earlier about ICT and stuff. I'll see current day juggalos in, in the crowd at wrestling shows and I'll see people that are, you know, aren't necessarily wearing the merchandise, but they'll come up to me and let me know, you know what I mean? What, that they are either down or they, you know, the same, they used to be uh, big fans. And even sometimes it's people like well-known people from wrestling that'll come up and give me a whoop whoop or a what up ninja or a magic, magic ninjas. What? Like that's, that's hilarious to me in a good way. You know what I mean? Like it's people just letting you know, cause that strangle mania shit was usually influential. I don't know if you ever saw strangle mania. I did not. I missed it. Oh, my God. Do yourself a favor. I'm, I guarantee you it's on YouTube. It's just called Strangle Mania. Some people might call it Strangle Fucking Mania. But uh, if you want to hear some commentary, man, holy shit. These guys laid the foundation. <laughs> no no lies. Uh, there's probably some people in the chat or whatever in the comments that'll know. But and I've, I've met people like people even today that are top stars in WWE that would be like, man, like you get in a car with them or something and all they want to do for an hour is talk about Stranglemania and all the lines from it and everything. It's, it's fascinating. And for those that don't know what it basically is, is it's the IWA Japan King of the Death Match, the famous King of the Death Match tournament where it's Mick Foley and Terry Funk and the explosions and we've seen it in all the documentaries and everything. It's that actual show with ICP using kind of gimmick names, even though they're ICP and paint and everything. They're the commentators, and their commentary is ridiculous, like as a, a compliment. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just incredible. It has to be seen. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, it's next level. I will <laughs> find that and put that on my like two watches. Like ser seriously, <laughs> like I don't think you're gonna get. Um, you're going to just turn it on. That's what happened to me. Like, that's how I became a fan of ICP was, uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm from the New York hardcore scene and t I love hip hop. So to me, like I would see in, uh, like the underground music publications and stuff, I would see ICP listed or playing concerts or advertisements and stuff. And I would just think like, Oh, I listen to like boogie down productions and public enemy and shit. Ice T I don't know, rapping clowns, that seems like some sort of gimmick, like, you know, what's that? That sounds like dumb or whatever. What do they rap about? You know what I mean? Uh, but then I saw Stranglemania, and I, I, it just blew my fucking mind. That, that's it. I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> so, yeah, note self. We'll definitely check that out. See, we're all like, this has been great. See, like, I got into, um, I've been a fan of professional wrestling my whole life, but sure. I've only been into like independent wrestling really for like the last 10 years within my local area. Well, sure. And, and out of that for about three. So there's wow. still a lot of things that I need to catch up on. 
Sure, sure, sure. But that's great, but you're doing it. That's the thing, and there's no – it doesn't matter whether someone starts tomorrow, starts today, just started yesterday. Um, I think it's great now that now you have something like AEW, which can deliver, like, a true alternative experience, like, on a, on a big level that you can see on TV and through their YouTube channel. Think of how many people are going to discover independent wrestling through when they watch all these people on Dark or they become a fan of certain people, and then they're like, who are these people? Like, where do they come from? Oh, they wrestle somewhere else. And it's, it's not just on Dark, obviously. It goes on up through the card. But even just using Dark as an, an example, because so many uh, people from the independents often end up working matches on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very, it's very interesting. And like I said, I've only been really watching independent wrestling out of my local area for like the last three years, which... Um, it sort of feels like it's been longer than that because the pandemic was weird for all of sure. us. It distorts um, time. <laughs> and, but also because I think I just went so hard into it. Like once I got in, like I was hooked and I've been, I've traveled more in the past two years than I have in the past 20 years of my life. And it's all wow. been wrestling. <laughs> That's amazing. But it also, I, it's great you're here because it's, it's the perfect time in a way. It's never been bigger like I'm someone that was there at ECW at the shows in like starting in 96 and I would go there and see all these incredible incredible you know from you know so you know who it is it's fucking ECW and then it's it's 89 or 91 percent of the Monday Night Wars and all that shit when it was called ECW uh, or you know meaning what WWE and WCW went on to make their Attitude Era and etc. was 99% of just Paul Heyman's genius. But um, as someone who was at ECW at that time and went to show, not just the shows in Philly, but I went to Queens and I would, I would travel a little, a little bit. Like if there was a show in Connecticut or Staten Island or whatever, I would go. Um, uh, there's never been anything in wrestling since ECW till today, like there is with what GCW is doing. And then, of course, there's other companies that are doing great things as well. I look at GCW as the, the market leader. Maybe I'm biased. But then I feel like in their wake or in their tide or as the tide rises, you know, it raises all ships. So as GCW helped break down barriers and innovate uh, the kind of Internet pay-per-view era, so to speak, where to get big audiences to tune in to shows on a worldwide level, rather than people who just put a show on a platform that, that isn't being watched. You know what I mean? But since GCW has done that, there's many, many great companies that are doing, uh, doing their shows and doing big business. And think of how much talent there is. Like there's such a crop of headliners out on the, out on this independent scene right now. And the people that you can see in game changer or defy or any of these other places, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I could name a hundred of them, but you know, you know who they are. Yeah, just the fact that, like, even now, and and maybe it's because I mean, I didn't know it was there because I didn't know to look for it, and now that I know to look for it, I see a lot more of it, which is certainly possible. But man, I feel like just tons and tons of just talent out there right now, just killing it in indies all, all over. over all over the country and, into and on those different tiers Europe. you know there's the the people that are say at the 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 top of it you know what i mean the headliners the people that are flying to every city and working so many days a week everywhere it's not just them though you know what i mean under that there there's levels it's like um 
a, a food chain in a, in a positive way, you know, meaning everyone's coming up through the ranks. Like there's, there's vets to learn from, there's hungry young talent, there's platforms to be seen, there's reputable promoters to work for, do you know what I mean? There's yeah. people that are covering the good stuff and all that leads to more for everybody, in my opinion. It leads to new stars, which is the foundation of everything. Absolutely agree. I think that with with GCW kind of got me into watching independent wrestling because there were all these people that I was like, this isn't the same, you know, right. this isn't the same five people that I see fight each other on Raw every night. Like there's so many more people with different attitudes and, you know, the way that they hold themselves and just the different styles that they wrestle and to take, you know, the people that I saw on one random GCW show and then follow them to other places and then see more people and then see more sure. people. It's just like, it just exploded. And, and now it's like, I have, I want to go to every show all the time. And unfortunately I live in Nebraska and that just isn't really feasible, but at this I, time until your ship comes in, but I until enjoy Bitcoin hits a hundred thousand. <laughs> I mean, sure, uh, <laughs> but it's something that now that I know that it's there, it's a lot easier for me to follow and to go to different, you know, even within my, you know, regional area, something that I can drive to like in eight hours, like there's sure. so much even just from here. And I think that all of the indies that are, decent not you know like you know you know <laughs> you know but i think that it's you're seeing better talent more often mm -hmm. yeah the cream is rising and even though there was times you know just in the last year or so when suddenly a whole bunch of talent would suddenly get a, a contract somewhere uh and nothing missed a beat as great as all that talent was and the stuff they went on to do and et cetera, it didn't stop the rise of the Indies, so to speak. There's, there's new stars, there's new talent. There's all these hungry people. I mean, I'm just so blown, you know, look at Nick Wayne, look at Jordan Oliver, like look at Starboy Charlie, J just those three. And again, they're not the only ones, but I just look at that and you're like, wow. And then Cole Raderick and uh, Yo-Yo and all these young guns, so to speak. There's so many of them that are so great. And uh, I apologize to anyone I'm leaving out. You know what I mean? I just I think of people that are, of course, you have your established, more established people like the Tony Deppins and et cetera of the world. But I was just trying to run a list of that, that next regime. Do you know what I mean? The next people that are going to be running shit. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me how good some of these younger stars are or stars in the making talent however you want to look at it and, and look yeah they're getting to work all over the country and the world in some cases they're working against the best piece people possible that's um it's unprecedented like to have those opportunities at such a young age but then the way those opportunities shape you it just their career trajectory is just like that you know what I mean? It's and, to, and to see people like that now when they're on the indies, I don't want to say just starting out because, but, you know, just kind of starting to gain that like extra oomph 
to kind of push them to the next sure. level to people that you're going to be seeing on TV every week in, you know, a year, three years, five years, somebody like Billy Starks, who is fantastic. And she, you know, grinds and grinds and wrestles her heart out 100%. to see where she's going to be in five years is going to be, yep. I just can't wait. So. She's another young, a young, another young gun. And she's also got a great mind. Like she's a very, very smart individual. You know what I mean? Like just from talking with her, like I shoot the shit with a lot of different people in a lot of different places. And a lot of people say a lot of dumb shit a lot of the time, but uh, she's like a very, very smart cookie uh, is Billy Starks. And that combined with her dedication and the talent, the support of her family, all that to me, that all adds up to success. And she's on her way to the pay window. Yes. And if uh, to people that may not, and I don't know if you're, if you're watching this and you're not familiar with independent wrestling, I don't know how you found me. Um, I don't know how you found Kevin Gill, but, but welcome. Um, if, if somebody isn't watching independent wrestling, I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out why it's so accessible and there's so much of it and there's something for everybody, no matter what, you know, style you like, if you, you know, like GCW or if you like, you know, more like Lucha Libre stuff, like. Sure. There's there's so much wrestling out there. Yeah, it's, it's it's accessible and it's easy to support. I think that that and that's uh, part of it, in my opinion. The magic of what makes GCW work is the it's the connection with the fans, and there the fans make it all happen. You know what I mean? So if you whatever facet of wrestling you love, for the love of God, please buy the ticket. You know what I mean? Buy the ticket. Buy the pay per view stream. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it means so much, and it literally makes makes the shows possible. You know what I mean? So, and and I love that connection, especially during the pandemic when everyone was home and whatever. For some people, they might not have left the house left the house in like weeks, and now, but GCW is coming into their house, so to speak. You know what I mean? The modern in your house. It's uh, or you know whatever your favorite company is. It's it's cool. It's cool to know that you can be that outlet and be that escape and be something that people mark on their calendar. Like, this is what I'm looking forward to. This is what gets me through the week. And I got my snacks set up. I got my special drinks. You know what I mean? I got my day. This is like my day. This is my church. This is my holy place. You know what I mean? I love that. And to provide that to people because I know what it means to me. And then if you, t if you took it away, well, what else is there in a way not to be grim, like for anyone. So if you have your love and you have your passion and that's what gets you through life, that that's beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Follow it, keep moving towards it. And it's always possible to have it there, especially in this modern era. Like back in the day, there would be all these shows going on and you wonder what the fuck happened. Now you can literally be at someone's wedding with your phone and like a kayfabe ear gimmick fucking watching the shit. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing. It brings a tear to my eye. Not me planning to watch this weekend show as well. I'm having a family gathering. You know, I mean, shit has to be, you know? It's okay. My mom likes wrestling. She'll understand. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I was like, Ooh. I like one thing I think that's cool on the independent level too, and uh, I, I know GCW, I think, does this really well, is like the the nice price point for the pay-per-views, you know what I mean? Where you could watch the show, it's like 13 bucks or something on, on, in, on, you know, fight TV 
or it'll be a combo like get both shows of the weekend for 19 bucks like 19 bucks for like seven eight hours of live entertainment available in perpetuity on demand um it's a hell of a deal man if your homie comes over suddenly now it's you know five dollars a man you know what i'm saying like for the 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 bundle it makes it affordable you know because i know sometimes like i'll want to watch a show and i'll be like oh my god this show is like how much fucking money to watch like damn like because you know what i'm saying there's that it's levels. It's just like when you go to a wrestler's merch table. You know what I mean? Every successful wrestler should have the $60 item, you know, the whatever the sign, the super gimmick, the the $30 item, two $20 items, a $15 item, but it should go down to like a, a $3 item. All, you have, there's levels to all of it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Uh, but I lost my point. I had a brilliant point that I was going to tie it all back together into. Um, you were talking about how the shows are affordable. Oh, yeah. So the same thing, like, if the price point is too high, like, there's levels to it. Like, a $10 purchase, uh, a $13 purchase, I think for a lot of people that aren't in a, in a hard spot, especially if they have a few days, a few weeks to think about it or be like, hey, I'm not going to go to Starbucks for two days, and instead I'm going to watch a four-hour event. You know, oh, I'm going to spend half of what a movie ticket costs or whatever. To me, it's so reasonable that there is no barrier to entry, which I think is really cool. You can take a risk on it. You can say, there's these two incredible matches I wanna see, eh, the other four, I never heard of this person, I don't know about this, I'm not sold on this style of wrestling, but then you get the whole presentation. Some of it you love, maybe some of it you won't, but at least you get it. And I'd rather get people in and get eyes on it, in my opinion, uh, then charge like insane, insane amounts for it. But that said, if the market is willing to bear it, the market's willing to bear it. And they are producing, other people are producing, you know, top tier, state-of-the-art production, you know, insane rents and overheads and all that. So people charge what they charge and the market uh, dictates it. I'm just saying me, uh, if I was paid by one of these giant companies, I wouldn't sweat the $50, you know what I'm saying? Because I would just be like, yo, but I'm on the indies too. So, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing as a $15 or a $20 concert ticket and a $50 or a $65 concert ticket. A $20 concert ticket, I'm going. It does not matter. There is nothing will stop me from going. A $60 concert ticket, you have to be like on my Mount Rushmore. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's just me. You know what I mean? I uh, 100% <laughs> agree with you. I, um, before I was involved in wrestling, I used to go to a bunch of shows. I used to book bands to play shows. Sure. And um, yeah, it was really easy to be like, I want to see one band kind of, but it's only $15. I'll just go and watch the whole thing. Right. Versus But if like it was 75, 60, you wouldn't go. Right? I was like, <laughs> that's like a whole like week's worth of, <laughs> entertainment <laughs> yeah so i feel like for dollar for dollar the value it, it's like uh it seems reasonable and it seems open-ended and it seems easy to get into if you hear the buzz if you have a friend that's into it or whatever you know what i mean you could just throw it on your tv and bounce it to your phone or vice versa throw it on your phone and bounce it to your tv or do whatever and it's there like it's not like the old days of internet pay-per-view where you're on your computer and shit it's just so amazing how how things have evolved for the better and it's it's grown i think the independent wrestling business overall for people who think globally you know what i'm saying not everybody thinks globally 
and acts locally, but it is a good uh, a good strategy. I well, and... HO. <laughs> well, and GCW too has a lot of um, you know free stuff on the YouTube with like the JCW and some of the LA fight stuff. So you kind of really there's no reason to to not give some of those maybe like you know like for me i live in nebraska so i'm not always as familiar with all of the west coast talent of but but to but give now they have a free now out. they have a free a free pay-per-view every few months or whatever la fights and then also on the east coast same thing with jersey championship wrestling and that really helps grow the future in my opinion because now you're opening up between both those headings you're opening the floodgates in a positive way to let in all that talent and really just go through them with the comb and be like, all right, who's, who's really got it? Who's ready? Or who can get the experience and seasoning they need? That, that's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Truly. And all of the work that GCW does, Mania Weekend and, and other big wrestling weekends where they just cram a bunch of shows in there. <laughs> um, to go see everything, the I I did the GA package this year, very affordable for twelve shows of wrestling. That's what I'm saying. And <laughs> for some people, front row, they would probably pay double what they're currently paying. But it's all about just keeping it attainable, really, and everybody can get the experience that they want. And I'm glad you came, GA. I think that GA is an insane value. Do you know what I mean? You could even skip a few shows, not that I recommend anyone did, but it's not even like when you feel like, oh, God, like I got to get up early because if I don't, I lose like $140. Like, it's not like that, you know? Yeah, you definitely, at least in my opinion, get your money's worth on the GA Pass for those collective shows. 1010 would recommend. Uh, <laughs> I went Did to... you, without naming names, did you end up attending all 10? Or sorry, uh, did you end up attending all the collective events, every one of them? I changed. No I didn't names. go to one. I didn't go to one show. That's understandable. But again, there's only you need, people do need to uh, rest sometimes. Hydrate, I just went to rest. a different show. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche. Yeah. Now that's, uh, that's an in-depth interest. I went that's amazing. to over so there was the three days of the collective, and then the that Sunday there was mania, but there was like a at least in Dallas, there was another, there was some other indie running like off in Arlington. So oh, yeah. over, over the four days, I went to 14 shows. Wow. It was fantastic. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. That's super awesome, man. It's not something I would do every month, but it's definitely <laughs> like a good. <laughs> once a year, right? Yeah, exactly. Like once a year, just commit yourself to it. Go with an open mind and comfortable shoes. And, yeah, key. So key. And that's snacks incredible. In your, snacks in your purse and just go for it. <laughs> uh, not that I want to divert you away from the robust uh, American independent wrestling scene, yeah. but just throwing it out there. I one time went to Japan uh, right around New Year's Eve and I went to uh, Wrestle Kingdom and like a big Japan show. And the New Year's Dash, you know, like their Monday Night Raw, they do after Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, it used to be a Kirk and Hall. Now it's at some arena. But I went to that little loop 
And it's a way big. I, I could have went a few days earlier and went to like just show, show, shows. Like that's when that shit goes down in Japan, and it's it's not as expensive. I mean, not that we can really go super freely to Japan right now, but as these interviews live in perpetuity and as things get more uh, back to online, hopefully, uh, with everything going on. Uh, I, I recommend people take that trip to Japan, man. I, one day uh, the planets will align, and I'll get to. I, I want to like host a trip or something to Japan because I just want to go. I need a reason to go, and I have so much fun going there and hitting up all the spots. But I recommend if you, anyone who can do it within the sound of my voice should do it. And once you're there, it's not nearly, nearly, nearly as expensive as most other places. You know, what I'm saying you can't stay at the Hyatt or whatever. Uh, but yeah. Just keeping it real. But the place you will stay at will be awesome and clean and nice, but it's just not an American hotel. An American hotel is like $400 a night or more there, but a Japanese-style hotel is like, you know what I'm saying, like a fraction of that. I have never been to Japan. That would be except that would uh, be so much fun and so interesting. And the people, you... oh, I love it. I, I literally love it. When you see the way... They treat the wrestlers like just that alone is so magic. Like, because you'll just be around after the show or whatever, or walking in or walking out, you'll witness the fans and just how they approach the wrestlers and the the whole thing. It's just like a it's hard to explain, but the love and passion and and the way they revere wrestling there. Like, well, I got to go there with GCW a few times, and uh, I would just be in, traveling around on the trains in Japan as one does. But I would be with, you know, whoever from GCW uh, and random Japanese businessmen. Like, we would just be on the train and all, you know, and everyone except us is just a person in, uh, like, a suit, business clothes, going to work. Everyone's very generic. And then it'll be, like, and me and Joey Janela and Schlack or whoever. And then uh, someone will come over, like, oh, like, they just start going crazy because they were at the show last night. And it's like, oh, my God, it's. Joey Janela, it's Jimmy Lewin, it's Drew Parker, whoever. But they, even those interactions were so nice, and it was so, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but the idea that these fans were just kind of everywhere, we'd run into them every day, no matter where we went. Even just walking down the street, and you'd, I'd be watching, be watching sometimes, and you'd see someone just like, they just stop and freeze for like five seconds, and they're like, so they're just in their neighborhood, or they're whatever, and suddenly like five of the GCW roster are walking down their street, you know, and you can recognize Jimmy because he's in a GCW shirt with the cutoff sleeves and the, the stars and everything. But yeah, it's I mean, a trip. It, it's a what a wonderful country, man. Just the absolute best. I mean, Jimmy I be back there soon. <laughs> is easily recognizable because he always, he's like a cartoon character. He just always wears the same thing. Yeah, he's like a cartoon <laughs> character with, on a show that doesn't have a budget to change. It's just like, like what the it's like, it's wear. just like Doug. Like yeah, yeah, Doug yeah, exactly it's... right. <laughs> one time you draw Doug, one time you're done. <laughs> I love that Jimmy wears uh, that all his clothes are like the lowest effort clothes possible. Like he doesn't have shoes; he has like slippers. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't have like. Uh, pants with a belt. He has like short, like cotton shorts with like an elastic waistband. You know what I mean? His shirt is cut up, so parts of it aren't there. Like it's very, it's for ease. It's for maximum maximum comfort. Uh, I would say, from you know, my estimations. And and to some extent, I I envy him for just being able to just 
dress for maximum comfort. I can't do that. (laughs) No. I mean, oh, man. Yeah, I just don't have a funny Jimmy story, but I'll just leave it out. (laughs) See, now I kind of want to hear it, though. It's a story that's uh, been told. Is it appropriate? (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's hilarious. It's been told a few times. I think it's fair to tell. Uh, One weekend, we did a double shot, a Game Changer Wrestling. Oh, sorry. So we did Game Changer Wrestling in Las Vegas, and then Jimmy got another booking like the next day to wrestle in Las Vegas. And Jimmy was up, you know, late and partying and all that. So... (laughs) So he gets booked on the show, and he's kind of like the vet on the show. Like, he's arguably the guy with the most seniority on the show, because it's, I think, a lot of up-and-comers, and and, you know what I'm saying, people that Jimmy's been around and been places and headlines, Cork and Hall, and all that. So Jimmy gets to the show and probably falls asleep, and then uh, no one wants to wake him up just out of, like, oh, yeah, I don't want to wake him up or whatever. I don't want to bother the guy. So now his music is playing. So his match is on. He's not dressed for his match. He's just been asleep in a chair, and he hasn't talked to anybody or anything. So now someone wakes him up, <laughs> and this is the greatest thing ever. So someone wakes him up, and they're like, Jimmy, your music's playing. And he's like, what? And he just gets up, and he kicks off his slippers, and there's just like a pair of sh- <laughs> There's just a pair of shoes there, like someone else's shoes or whatever. Uh, boots, whatever. Jimmy just puts them on, goes to the ring because the music's already playing. And then when he gets to the ring and the ref goes to check him, he literally gives the ref his phone, his wallet, his room key, like his actual full stuff. And then he had a, a, a fucking banger of a match, you know what I mean? And then went to the back. But that to me is the craziest and most hilarious story ever because it's like, wait, what? <laughs> And just that moment to me, because uh, someone told me that when they were telling me the story, like the day it happened, I was like, wait a minute. He did, did not give his shit to the fucking referee. But then as, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking like, well, what else is he going to do with it? He's got to give it to someone. And then someone uh, brought up the footage, you know what I mean? And then you see him like get to the ring and then he's like, you know, wallet, keys, then wait, hold on, room key. And I'm like, man, this is this is wrestling history. Because I can't imagine, I don't know, uh, that's amazing that you can do that and then go out there and have a match. Like, that's the art uh, of professional wrestling. And the the wrestling mastermind that is Jimmy Lloyd, he doesn't even even need to speak to his opponent. He can just fucking wake up, put on someone else's shoes, go have the main event. The someone else's shoes bit, like, that's what gets me. (laughs) Because it's like... How do you even know? Did they even fit? What if they would have been too big or too small? Is this like a Goldilocks, like, just right, right situation? The glass slipper, if you will. <laughs> right? Yeah, Maybe that, that's a great story. If I ever get to only... make a movie, that'll be a scene in it. <laughs> he can only have matches wearing that specific pair of someone else's shoes. <laughs> or what if it becomes a superstition? Like, the only way I can have a good match is if I sleep until right up until my music is playing. You know what I mean? And that just became his formula. Like, that's that's for his next-level matches. He has to do it that way. It's his little pre-match ritual. Just naps and wears somebody else's shoes. Amen. It works for Jimmy Lloyd. It may not work for you or me, Val Pancakes. I definitely need my own shoes and, like, maximum comfort and whatever. But maximum comfort in a different way. 
my comfort involves it's going to stay on my foot. It's connected to my foot. It doesn't just fall off or it, it, no slippers. slippers. Yeah, I don't like. Inside. I'm wearing slippers right now, actually. Right, and where are you? In, I'm in my apartment, yeah. Yeah, correct. That's, that's the place <laughs> to wear slippers. That's what they're made for. Right? But, in my you know, opinion. I 110% uh, agree with you. Do not wear slippers <laughs> out of my apartment unless I'm maybe going to the locker room. Or unless you're a world-famous wrestler, former child actor, and different boy, <laughs> Jimmy fucking Lloyd. So, we've been talking a lot. Like, I had questions here. Those questions are gone. We've, we've surpassed the questions at this point, which is fine. I'm enjoying just talking wrestling with somebody that I can talk wrestling with, which is great. Um, oh, yeah. Right? Um, I do want to get in a couple of questions just because they're kind of more fun. Um, sure. What is the wrestling word that you use most outside of wrestling? Kayfabe. Uh, you know, and it's derivative word, fame. <laughs> the short and uh, condensed version. Yes. I use it all the time. And, uh, I've like I, other people around me, even if they don't have anything to do with wrestling, they know what it means and it's great. And I, I don't use it in a wrestling con I use it in the, the way it's meant to be used, but not for wrestling applications. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. the end result is the same. Like let's protect the, uh, you know, protect the core interests here. Kayfabe, like just ixnay, like don't say shit. Like, or let's keep this uh, a little close to our vest. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I use kayfabe all the time, but uh, I'm trying to think. I definitely use some other. Oh, of course. I mean, Mark, not for the reasons people think, like being mad at people or whatever, but <laughs> it, I, I forget where it's from, but it's just one of those things like, you're a Mark. You're a Mark. I can't remember. Some old interview that I, I watched, someone said that in it. But yeah, just in good fun. But a lot of the good wrestling words, even um, schmaz. I, I use a fair amount of schmaz. If there's a schmaz, I'm going to call it as I see it, regardless of the <laughs> of the location, you know what I mean, or the style of event. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so, um, as, and you've been kind of telling stories, I'm sure you have fantastic, <laughs> wonderful stories. I have, um, I, I know that you've done some of the GCW spaces. I've been in some of the GCW spaces. I've heard some of the, the stories y'all tell in there, which are fantastic. <laughs> 10 10 would recommend. Um, I really like when y'all do like a late night space and I just fall asleep listening to people talk. Right. It is wild on there. It's kind of overdue. Uh, I, I bet I would imagine we're about to see one or two of them, at least I would imagine in the next few days. I know me and Brett are supposed to record for the gcw podcast on patreon i'm hoping for tonight but uh we'll see and then whatever day it is brett will get on the air and say that it's because of my schedule that uh that no recording has been done i don't know you were pretty like on time and ready to go so i don't think that we can blame you i i would go out on Monday, KT. yes thank you <laughs> and i'd like to shout out uh Deathmatch Worldwide at deathmatchworldwide.com uh, for providing me with this awesome, awesome Alex Cologne shirt that says Bridesmaid on it, and then it has a picture of John Wayne Murdoch on it. It's pretty cool, but it is an Alex Cologne shirt, and I'm here in support of Alex Cologne in advance 
of the cage of survival. I am looking forward to all of that. I don't know Big what thing. word I'm looking for. Yeah, um, violence, bloodbath, yeah. biblical style ass whippings. Yes. Um, human fucking food processor throwing people in wood chippers. I mean, I can't even imagine what is the cage of survival even going to fucking entail? Right? Like, I'm intrigued. I'm a little bit scared, but I'm really excited to catch as much of that as I can between trying to talk to relatives that I haven't seen in <laughs> probably a year. Amen. Amen. Well, pick your spots. You know what I mean? You, have, you know what I'm saying? During intermission, go hard. Super visible. Then, you you know what I'm saying? You may be like, oh, I got to, you know, do this or that. You could buy yourself time to watch key matches. I'll definitely kind of keep a keep abreast of what's happening on Twitter. Maybe tune in for some specifics. Um, and, you know, just a single, a single earbud, you know, just one. Just low, but it just keeps you, keeps you connected. Right? I, it's like, I need to... It's like I I would feel like I missed out if I didn't watch it, and I can't. <laughs> I can't. Or you could just do the social media blackout and watch it after that too. No, I'm gonna need something to keep me sane amongst right. all of my family, extended <laughs> family, and all Usta. the unique, uh, yeah, all the unique vibes and uh, everything that come with it. I'm yeah, sorry, but I, I wish you strength in these times. Very, very needed. It's going to be very interesting. I'm not a big like family gathering person, so this should be, it should be a thing that I do. Um, <laughs> my mom will probably watch this back later, and she'll probably give me shit for all of this. But wow. I love you, mom. I'm doing this. I'm doing this only because she asked me to. Hi, mom. Uh, <laughs> um. So you travel a lot, you're on the road all the time. What are your like snacks? Like I'm a snackosaurus rex. I like snacks. It's kind of my thing. What are your go-to snacks? And I know it's gonna be a little bit different because you are are you vegan? I feel like you're vegan. I'm just I'm a vegetarian. Just a lowly, lowly vegetarian. <laughs> uh a lowly vegetarian who eats like dairy products and stuff. Snacks, it's weird. I'll go in phases. Like uh I love chocolate. I love chocolate chip cookies. That's my favorite thing. I love anything with peanut butter in it. Uh, I go through phases in traveling. Like sometimes I would like have a certain snack in my bag at all time. You know what I mean? I would always have it and always be eating them. Like uh, I forget who makes them. It's like a, it's almost like a little piece of fruit jerky, but it's like an entire pineapple or something gets freeze dried down solely. S-O-L-E-Y makes them. And I think it's one complete pineapple just in this tiny strip, like uh, like a like, like a couple leather? pieces of bacon. Yeah, like a fruit leather, but a little bit thicker. Mm. And it's so, so good. And I, I would go crazy on those. And I also love the Amy's, uh, they're vegan gummy bears, but they're with like 100, 100% of your daily vitamin C content in this little bag of gummy uh vegan gummy bears so always on the road i i you know what i mean it's just so you're hungry you need a little sugar boost you also you know what i'm saying you're around people 
maybe have questionable sicknesses or, or you know, what colds, everybody's got something. So it's good to boost your metabol, whatever. Uh, so I recommend both those products. I'm a big fan of emergency as well, the drink, but not so much because like, oh man, I love that emergency, but I like the, uh, I like the benefits. And shout out to almond M&Ms. Those things are fucking crucial. Excellent choices. Excellent snack choices. Uh, I just had yesterday for the first time uh, the organic Reese's peanut butter cup. Mm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know they had one, but they do. I didn't and I tried it. It's rock solid. Is it uh, better than like a regular, like non-organic dirt Reese's? I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it tastes like uh, the chocolate tasted like like a step up in quality like it tasted like you were eating uh a more advanced chocolate like when you eat a chocolate from europe or something and you're just like, oh wow so it just a little bit it had a step in that direction um so it was yeah it was i mean reese's peanut butter cups are fucking sick um as they are so it was like basically it was like the, maybe like one iota better and then if you get the, the gimmick of like, oh, but it's organic, which I guess is okay, because then you got to wonder if you're into health or nutrition or whatever, and you think about like, oh, God, can you imagine like what grade peanut butter they put in this shit, like on the low end or whatever, or what folds into it or whatever? So I don't know. Maybe it's good to have it, but uh, I think they're just doing it to compete with like at Whole Foods and stuff. There's a brand called Justin's, and they have all kind of knockoffs of all your favorite big brand candies done organically. And they do the exact Reese's peanut butter cup knockoff. So I wonder if Reese's is like, yo, fuck that. We're going to make our own organic shit and fuck these people making money off our design. So respect to Reese's, the innovator. You know what I mean? The peanut butter cup supremacy. uh, Reese's are the only people allowed to use orange uh, since Taz discovered orange in the 90s. So Reese's are the only other people that are allowed to use it. So don't change my stack colors to orange is what I'm hearing. Uh, it. Not unless you want a call, a phone call. I wouldn't. Not, not from Taz. <laughs> Yikes on a bike. Not me. So um, just have a few more kind of questions and then we'll go to Christopher to see if chat has any questions. And then sure. we'll wrap up. Yeah, man. Um, this has been just this has been fun just getting to chit chat with you for once. So hell yeah, I appreciate. Usually, it. Yeah. I just kind of get to say hi and do your thing, and I don't want to bother right. you. If, it, got so if much there's more do. time, I get to say things like, "Hey, what was your favorite match or whatever?" Because I always want to know that type of shit. But yeah, it's, I'm always like about like the elevator doors closing, like with the person who has the room key, like, "Oh, oh, good to see you." Like, oh. <laughs> Life on the Indies. The life and time of Kevin Gill. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, what is the biggest animal that you could take in a fight with just your hands, no weapons? And you can pretend it's attacking you. Hmm. The biggest animal I could take with my bare hands... I mean, I would never do it, obviously, but I, mean, I think a, a <laughs> dogs under a certain breed, I think yeah. I could pretty easily choke the fuck out. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't. 
if it was attacking you and it was you were the animal <laughs> right. then sure i would uh i would try to put the the dog in a sleeper hold and then maybe later when the authorities arrive they could slap the dog on the back of the neck and the dog would just bark and, and kind of come back to you know kind of snap back to it no, that's, that's old fair. school wrestling reference <laughs> they don't do that shit anymore back in the day 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 when someone would go go unconscious in the sleeper hold they would then just stay unconscious and uh usually the guy who did it to them would also be trained in the how to wake you up from it if not the ref would suffice but they would come over and give you like a big slap like right on a certain part of your body and some people when they woke back up you know they're in the middle of fighting still or whatever so that was i always love those are like little lost parts of the art or whatever but uh it's just fun to think about them sometimes or even better to look them up on youtube right what this was is back, YouTube. back in the day like uh uh people used to claim like they went to like uh I think it was Ric Flair. It was either Ric Flair or someone who was going against Ric Flair, but they had this whole photo essay about how they went to this uh, prestige, prestigious medical clinic to learn how to like perform the sleeper hold to the maximum level. So they're working with doctors and stuff to understand like, well, here's how you slow the blood flow to the brain. And I just love that level of, uh, of dedication you know what i mean it's like some really next level shit where you're like wow yeah like that's a whole thing <laughs> yeah and you know and the crazy thing is though is that the sleeper hold is a real hold you know what i mean if if uh, applied with intent you totally put people unconscious with it i've seen it done um so yeah it's one of those th i've seen roddy piper do it to people uh but yeah it's one of those things it's crazy the sleeper hold be careful <laughs> Is that how Jimmy gets brother. to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's how he does it. He has uh, Joey or just whoever, anyone who's around. Anybody, like, Brett, yeah. Brett, put me in the sleeper. Just fucking cinch it in. And then you just leave him until you come back later and slap him, slap him here on the back. And then he just pops right up. <laughs> Puts on someone else's shoes and <laughs> yeah, does his ass. <laughs> Yeah, you play, you get his music on, and then you wake him up. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, maybe someone put him in the sleeper on that famous show in L.A. I'm uh, Vegas. We'll never know. <laughs> Lost to the history, annals of time. <laughs> um, so if you could have a Kevin Gill action figure, what, and it was one of the ones that could talk, what would you have it say and what accessories did it come with? It would say, what up, though? It would say, damn. Well, if it could truly say anything, it would say, what up, though? It would say, holy fucking shit. It would say, Jesus fucking Christ. It would say, God fucking damn it. Um, it would say, Excelsior. And, uh, and maybe what is truly popping, though, just to give it the full, um, the full array. And then uh, as far as accessories, I would definitely like headphones. I need headphones. I think accessories would be headphones, a, a removable hat, sunglasses. Mm -hmm. And if we want, if it was like a Super 7 figure or something that comes with a lot of like detailed accessories, I would also want a portable battery pack and probably a vape pen. Nice. Just for the, the, the standards. 
And I said phone, right? Because the phone would be the music player uh, with the headphones. So yeah, that would be straight. Yeah, that would, that's like a good, a good just assortment basic, of accessories. Yeah. Basics. Oh, and if, uh, maybe to get crazy, a can of a, maybe it's a, a high bowl sparkling energy water. Maybe it's a can of Red Bull Blue. Maybe it's a can of some amazing energy drink company that needs a highly caffeinated spokesperson who also appears lots of places and could probably mention what's got him so hyped up, but I digress. But yes, uh, a can of uh, accelerant would be appreciated. I am glad that you threw out, but I digress. I really feel like this would not have been a KG podcast without, because like that's like your signature phrase for me. And thank you. That, and I didn't mention that we should have said that for the figure. Yeah, the figure should absolutely say, but I digress. Yeah. That's like, that's like, like when I hear that on commentary, I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> I love check it. Check it off the box. Like, check it off the list. <laughs> uh, I've been able to add to it sometimes. If someone else is digressing uh, and I'm involved in it, I'll try to mention that. Uh, and we should be talking about something else. I'll say, now we're digressing within a transition and I'll use that that now we're just back on the topic like somehow just by saying transition it was a conversational transition and now we're back on track or really far off track like in the case of this junk yeah hey, I gotta we'll call leave. What's on the monitor you gotta call what's on the monitor if how many people at home are watching the shot and in 30 percent of the shot there's this giant mason jar covered one third of the way full with a yellow amber urine colored liquid and it's right there on camera it's sloshing around the wrestlers right near it it's a disservice to the viewer to not acknowledge and to not at least raise the issue that the overwhelming majority of them are thinking what the fuck is that is that a piss jar what the fuck is going on it's got to be said it's a disservice to ignore what's happening it would be kind of an and almost an insult to the fans if you didn't bring it up and everyone saw it like yeah like uh, another famous example is uh, uh where was the show i know i called it with lenny leonard uh who's great and mm, you might remember the city i don't know